Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. <laughs> Hi 50-ishers, it's Mel and Trish. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and just don't give a 50 like us. Trish, I want to read a comment we received from one of our 50-ish tribe, Dan Gannam, in relation to our recent episode with Louise Wheeler from Five Good Friends about the complexities and the processes involved with getting ageing parents assessed for support. So she wrote, I listened to today's episode and yes, it was super helpful. I'm so glad there are people like Louise describing every step of the way as I'm also navigating my way through my father's Alzheimer's diagnosis a few years ago. that's a tough one. Mm, Truly. Unfortunately, I found out the long and hard way. A lot of your discussion reminds me that many of us are facing these issues and it's so good to be able to listen to others and share our stories. So So true. Yeah, I've actually had a few people approach me, ladies at the gym, (laughs) before our pump class, just, yeah, saying that they listened to it and they they really enjoyed it because we're all in this space where our parents Aging generation. And, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So thanks so much, Dan. You are a sweetie for reaching you out to us. Sweetie. We really, we really appreciate it. So, Trish, today we are super excited to be chatting with the completely awesome 50-isher, Amber Petty. So most 50-ishers will know of or heard of Amber, but if you've been living under a rock for the last (laughs) few years, let me remind you. Amber is an author, writer, columnist, media personality, radio broadcaster and podcaster with over 15 years' experience. She also held senior PR positions with global agencies, OMD and CHE Proximity. And to add to this, she also happens to be the best friend and was a bridesmaid of beautiful Princess Mary of Denmark, oh, who I've always been a fan. I feel yes, like I know her. Fans. I don't know her, but I've loved her from, since but I'm day sure one. if we met her, she'd probably want to be our besties. She'd too. want, yes, she'd so like us, I'm sure. we're going to do the best, next best thing and be besties with her besties. <laughs> yes. Because she is adorable. We're going to ambush Amber and become <laughs> her besties as well. So Amber's bio is long and impressive, but what we're most interested in are her most recent passion projects, which includes her book, This Is Not A Love Song, her role as director of Story telling at Truckador in Melbourne. 
Jeez, I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'll have to ask <laughs> And her podcast. Did you say fuck it all? <laughs> How old old are we? we? And her podcast, The Wise Guides, which discovers pearls of wisdom from incredible and successful women who fly way under the mainstream radar. Don't we love that? Yeah, we love that. That's one of our favourite things, all the amazing women out there. Totally up for this, Trish. I'm ready to go. So Amber is joining us online from Melbourne. Hello and welcome to Don't Give a 50, gorgeous Amber Petty. Hello, my new besties. Hi. (laughs) Don't you love that? We just get a bit stalkery. We can't help it. I'm so sorry. I get so invested. We but do you know, fall in love very quickly with people. <laughs> Don't be freaked out. That just sounded weird. <laughs> it did sound a little bit like your boundaries need to be addressed, but that's no. okay. Tell <laughs> <laughs> me I haven't heard before. <laughs> hey, babe, you're reading my book. You, you're well, yeah. welcome to some boundaries. I actually, yes. I can tell you, Amber, reading your book at the moment, I haven't quite finished yet, but... There's uh, there is some similarities of character there, yes. Yeah, my friend. Mm, yeah. Yes. I think there's something in it for most of us. You know what I mean? At some point, we've all been in those like sticky situations, but yeah. we will get to that. Okay, we yeah. will we will get to that because Amber, we usually start with a belter of a question, which is we ask our guests to give us a highlight reel of their lives, but I feel like that's a bit too big because you've accomplished so much. So <laughs> I want you to tell our 50-ish tribe how you got your first gig in media working as a roving reporter on MTV Australia. Oh, Let's I remember start MTV. There. Me too. Is it still around? Is it still oh, a thing? I I've got no idea. Yeah. Actually, well, I, I love a question that you're not expecting. So I was working kind of in and around MTV at the time, I was still in the music industry from memory. So one of my jobs was every week I would have to go and call on a bunch of media, including like say Channel V, MTV, Video Hits. And I was working for Mushroom Records. So I had all of the Mushroom priority video clips and songs, and I would have to schlep around Sydney meeting with different music media, including MTV, and try and get them to play our stuff. So that was one kind of relationship that I already had. The other was I had, I ended up being friends with this girl and she had some kind of even stronger connection with MTV. And she kept saying to me, I reckon you'd be great as a, as a what do they call them? VJ. A oh, VJ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. Like, I'm like, what was it? It wasn't DJ. It was yeah, VJ. Yeah, VJ. Mm. Right. Anyway, she was just really invested in thinking that I would be great on-air talent. So she was a real fabulous ball breaker. Yep. I'm sure that that's not quite a great feminist term, but you know <laughs> I, what I mean. I like, roll with it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know what? There's enough that we're trying to adjust, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. steps. Like, so I'm not. I, I'm happy I to still break the balls. <laughs> yeah, I, but I built myself up by not not the most conscious words, but she was so she really just went and campaigned MTV and wow. then and then they sort of gave me a few gigs and to be honest I was so goddamn bloody insecure I was really good at putting on a big smiley face and but I was so insecure that it was it was it was hard work whereas I feel like if I could do it now it'd be yeah. a whole different ball game because I just don't take things like that that very yeah, seriously that's the so, beauty the wisdom of age teaches us isn't it that's 
That's mm-hmm. exactly right. So anyway, so it was a sort of short stint because I think MTV changed ownership or something went on and they shared a lot of talent. So I was there for five minutes and then I disappeared. So how old were you at this stage? So I well, I was actually, I remembered you, because do you know Jason Dundas? Do you remember him? I do, he yeah, was the name. Him. Yeah. Yeah, you know if you saw him, he was sort of like that real kind of, it boy that everyone followed in the press. He was, he did, I think he ended up doing Getaway, but he, his start yeah, was, yes. yeah, yeah, good, lovely, lovely guy, handsome and all that sort of stuff. But I think at the time when I was working with him, he was about 21 and I was probably heading towards 30. So honestly, mm. it felt like a mother and, like, I know this sounds <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. It just felt so awkward. And and I remember too, just a little a little side story, because I really only did probably half a dozen kind of shoots with them before the, the ownership changed. And as I said, I was probably a little bit older than they really wanted. But so I remember getting a spray tan before this bloody shoot <laughs> down in Cronulla or something. It was some surfing something or other. And I got this bloody spray tan. And anyway, it was one of the how horribly wrong spray tans oh, can yeah, go. Oh, I've had one. <laughs> Oh my God. I never went back. But especially a couple of decades ago. Anyway, I had this horrific one. And on that day, it was actually really like glary, glary weather. So I, and also I was pure and he was so young. And I just could not shake out of my head that scene, something about Mary and just thinking, (laughs) what I look like, that old woman and something about Mary. No. It was so bad. It was so bad. So funny because my fake tan story I'd had (laughs) my first child and I was off to a wedding so I I just you know my friend was like okay and she was looking after my baby she's like look go to this fake tan place that I go to they'll just give you a bit of a glow so it was like middle of winter (laughs) feeling pasty yeah famous last words I came out and you know what they were calling me at the wedding Magda (laughs) from the movie something about Mary they were calling me Magda oh Oh, here comes Magda Yeah. And complete, I didn't show them, but complete with when I lifted my big boobs up, I had the white patches under the white. So, yeah, I'm right with you, Magda. I totally understand how you felt. Oh, horrendous. But it's it's interesting just like, I mean, I I didn't know then, but I am a very naturally creative person and I'm constantly sort of creating thinking about things in my head, but also I, I sort of am a very visual person. So often when I'm thinking about something, I'm writing a play or a skit in my head and whatever. So the worst thing is when you've got really bad insecurity, as I had back then, I could really dial up a very strong image to make me feel completely mm. like and just swallow me up and just remove me, remove me. I shouldn't be here. You two should have done what I would have done back in the day and that's just go to the beach and lie in the sun and get a whole lot of sun damage. Well, you can't do that in winter in Sydney. (laughs) really I know. I've never had a spray tan. I would have found a way, which is so I wouldn't now. I wouldn't do it now, like lie in the sun. I've got... So many freckles too. Yeah. So yeah. honestly, you can't I do mean, it. growing up mm. in the eighties, yeah, just yeah, about we it. just did it, didn't we? Sun like, safety was not, not a thing. It was not a thing it at all. It was four and, hours on a Saturday, and you do the rotation either side, side, and you can uh, sometimes lie on your side as well and get your oh, sides yeah. done. Do remember? Like, <laughs> a story about our friend, one of your friends. She was a hostess. 
what was it? One of the flight attendant crew, I think it was from Compass, and she was this really tall girl and I remember laughing so much because she told me this story, how she'd had this really big night out on the grog and then went to sunbake the next day and was kind of lying there but fell asleep. And as she fell asleep, she actually, her knees were bent oh, but then yeah, they no, went they dropped out, out. Yeah. and dropped out to the side. So, so then she all had... of her inner thigh was bent raw. <laughs> I think she didn't kill herself. Oh, oh, no. yeah. oh my Did gosh, I love that. Yeah, no. no. Anyway, um, anyway, we've sorry, digressed. We've, we've digressed. Sorry, Amber, we do that quite a bit. <laughs> I know, I know, I agree, totally. The 80s were great. That's And you know what, can I just say before, sorry. Please. I, I have to say, be, one of the things that I'm proud of about being the age that I am is also the eras that I grew up in. I got the full 10, 10 years of the 70s as a child. I got the full 10 of being a teenager in the 80s. They got the working in the music industry in the 90s in the grungy and, and, and the electronic music kind of age. And then, well, music-wise, it all started to fall apart a bit, a little bit after that. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm really yes. proud of the decades. In, like, yeah, 100%. What when, when you said that I worked at OMD and CHE proximity and of and and in agencies you especially at our age you are usually thereabouts one of the oldest people there and I would rather than a lot of people like I know a lot of people like kind of make excuses or get embarrassed about their age I would just literally come at these little millennials or Gen Zs and just go. So, I mean, I I mean, well, I'm the one that I'm like, is that like, is that an 80 sort of inspired top you're wearing? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just yeah. So, like, let me tell you that that was either a good 80s fashion or it wasn't. Yeah, and the same with good. music, I'd be like, you guys have really drawn the short straw. I did yep. the 70s, 80s, whatever, and they would look so flabbergasted, even though they knew, like, the way I presented it, that it was true that I did very well. The fact that someone of my age was basically belittling them about their age and putting a really good <laughs> yeah. campaign, they just didn't know what to say. It was Gosh, really funny. I used gold. to love doing Yeah, that's holding gold. court. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I never thought of it like that, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Good for you. Go, girl. I'm going to steal that next <laughs> yeah. time they're bagging me and calling me. Dude, yeah, boomer. just flip. That's oh, kind yeah. of flipping it, isn't my it? My favourite, my daughter's favourite thing is to try and roll me up by calling me a boomer. I'm like, I'm not a boomer. No, we're Gen, Gen X. Off, but I'm a Doesn't matter. Yeah, we're still no. in Gen X. Anyway, yeah. Amber, I want to move on to your book. So this is not a love song. And by the way, I love that title. Is that so a, a reference to the Johnny Rotten's? Now, it wasn't the Sex no, Pistols. John Lydon. John Lydon, sorry. The <laughs> public, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which that classic, classic song. And, of course, people our age know that, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's a memoir about mental health and love. And you've had some extraordinary things happen in your life, the incredible highs of watching your best friend marry a prince and the gut-wrenching lows of surviving an abusive relationship, dealing with a toxic work environment and terrible depression. And my question is, I believe in the power of the written word and it's often writing is often described as a cathartic activity. So would you agree? And I just wondered sort of what headspace were you in at that time when you wrote the book? So sorry, there is two parts to that question. Yes. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah. So in terms of it, whether it was a cathartic experience, I mean, I guess I have to say yes, because when I started writing and I kind of thought, oh, look, I can see with reflection 
where I was at in my headspace, the environment that wasn't really very nurturing. I could very much see that sort of incredibly awful toxic hamster wheel that can go on in your head about all these things you should look out for to be sure about or belittle yourself or say you're no good at this, blah, 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 all of Mm. that sort of stuff. And then I could, and and then obviously I could see how the, the therapies that I experimented with, how they really kind of like just slowly bit by bit enlightened me into whether it was understanding how emotions are all energy and how they all honestly, most of them we just keep storing up and storing up. We sort of stop that process of emotions because we don't want to look angry and we, we don't want to be crying and we don't want to be doing all of this. And I can see how that's sort of all banked up. So once I started writing the book, I think over, over I would say, four-fifths of the journey of writing the book, I was I, I really realised that I was not through the storm and that there was right. a lot of healing that had to happen. Yeah, okay. I wondered that, where you were at yeah. in your healing process and in your Very healing much. journey. Yeah, it was difficult. So in that respect, it was, it. I don't know, like, I mean, I guess it was cathartic, but at the same time it was almost like... It, it became another lonely journey that I wasn't expecting because okay. no one had asked for the book, but I just had this real drive and passion that I wanted to share this story, but I really just fell into it. I didn't plan how I was going to write it. Mm. And it really became, it was very exhausting trying yeah. to work out how to write a book, trying to do it all myself. But as you said, you know, the, the cathartic thing, yeah, realizing that no, there was still a lot of healing that that I needed to so do. So it, it dredged up. Yeah, it yeah, emotions it, look, as well. It, it it dredged up emotions and actually what I have actually realized very recently is there's actually still a lot of areas that I need to heal from. Mostly it's 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 the little things in the and the aha moments about my my spiritual self and my emotional body and all of those kind of things that definitely I I learned and and once I think you've learned those things they they really do become sort of second nature in understanding and the way I look at the world but in the other respect I couldn't I couldn't sit and and really go into the the two brutal relationships that I describe in the book because I had to sort of go how am I including them how am I unfolding them how am I wrapping the wisdom so everything was always Mm. about the yeah and I've and and what I have realized very recently is that I need to do a lot more healing and a lot more work around those two relationships because if I read the chapter about the one that I took to rate took with me to Adelaide when I was doing radio where he got violent and I still cry like that's like that that's me even just mentioning it now that all is just right up there yeah Mm. and that's the thing isn't it it's that when your body responds physically to that thought process you go wow where did that come from clearly there's a lot there Mm, it's had a big impact yeah like Mm. sometimes you can talk about things and you're fine and all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh I didn't even know that was there absolutely it's that physical response Mm. Absolutely. And that, you know, I, I, I also think that there is a part in me that I've got to kind of heal too that is very much like, so even though the one of the takeaways I would love from people to read reading a book is be really conscious about what past emotions you have parked, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you've got a lot of anxiety or you've got any kind of like, so you're anywhere on the spectrum of depression, you really need to go back and excavate and see what is still stored in there. And ideally, if you can find the right energy kind of healer 
to, you know, a spiritual counsellor that can help you with removing those layers and understanding them and therefore coming up with a new way to live, which is if you have a death in the family or you have an ending or you have something of any level of trauma, you really need to just go, shit, I'm going to have to actually make sure that I deal with that and process Mm. that properly or I know now that that just gets parked and in 10 years' time suddenly I've got that build up again. Yeah, I know in your book you refer to it as, and which I've heard before and it's so true, it's that onion. It's peeling the onion skin. But we talk about peeling the onion skin, but whilst we're peeling that, it's like we're putting more layers on as well. It's like the onion just keeps growing Mm. internally. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So we're all human, like, you know, it's it's... Not like we all have to sit around being the Dalai Lama and making sure nothing does, <laughs> yeah. you know, and cleansing and doing silent retreats for a month to make sure that everything's gone and whatever. But I do think that there is, I'm also really like, don't ever want to kind of go, oh, I wrote a book about anything and I plan on writing other books. I don't ever want to be like, oh yeah, like interview me because I've, I know it all and I'm, I'm your girl. You know, yeah. Well, no, that that's not realistic. So yeah. mm-hmm. one of the things that I am conscious of too is with when it, when it comes to those two relationships and as you said, like, you know, when I think about one of them, you know, immediately there's tears and there's tears there because I, you know, I still have grief for that girl that I was at that yes. time who was yeah. so alone and who thought that that was okay. You know, there was many warning bells that I, you know, there was chances of me to shut the door and go, are you you're like, get out of my mm, life? Yeah, yep. And I didn't. So I don't. still mourn that. Mm. But then I think there's the t- the tough side of me because we're all on the spectrum of personality traits. There's a, st- there's a part of me that I need to address sooner rather than later that is just like, I don't want to talk about these two pieces of shit anymore. You know, yeah. they're not getting air yeah. time in my life. Um, yeah. No, I don't have to convict. I, I don't have to forgive them. No, I no. don't have to forgive them. Um, I don't have to hold anger. Or, th- or that's what I tell myself. But I think probably buried right down there is a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of me that's the fuck you that is still getting in the way of me truly cleansing and healing from those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's so interesting because Amber, you have been through. Such a lot. I mean, reading the book, I haven't finished it yet, but I think I've only got about a chapter and a half or whatnot to go. But seriously, if you were writing a book, I don't know if you could create something like that. Like it reads like it is a creative story. Like, yeah, like fiction. Yeah, like, yeah, mm. exactly. And I think too, like as you said before, you look back at that younger self and want to give her a hug and go, you know, you were just doing the best you could mm. at the time. We're, I think when we're younger and so much of our time is dedicated to proving to ourselves and others that we're all right, that we're good yeah. to go <laughs> and that we've got our shit together. Mm. And yeah. even... In fact, at the time, we're feeling the opposite inside. I don't know if it's a pride thing or that mm. whole comparisonitis feeling like, you know, you're going to be less worthy if if you're struggling. Yeah. So I just mm. I think that's such a relevant point and that's what's really hitting home with me reading your book. Yeah. And I mentioned before the wisdom of age. I think that's one of the things that we get from ageing is that yeah. it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to be transparent. Yeah. But I think when you're struggling it's hard to do that. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a question to ask yourself at any time in your life, if you are holding secrets or you're not revealing 
all the details that are going on in your life to your closest, closest friends. I'm not talking about you don't have to go into sexual detail, whatever. But if you are you are if you are editing the narrative of your actual day-to-day life, you really need to ask yourself why. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so that's because I think there's a lot of editing goes on out there in the world, Mm. don't you think? People are putting this this picture perfect narrative out to the world and it's just not true and it's okay like not to Mm. feel for things not to be perfect you shouldn't edit I agree yeah and and so during that time like of that violent relationship but all but well I'll just talk about that as an example so I had really felt like i I'd had, and also obviously this was the second bad relationship. So yeah. I had sort of in the, in the preceding years to that and after my friend's royal wedding, there was some really, things got really dark in, in my life. My self-esteem was very low. I, I felt like I'd, you know, lost one of the big loves of my life, being Mary and just losing her to that world. And so, so I, I ended up attracting a very bad guy and I let him in and I let him stay for too long. But when I got my job working on radio, breakfast radio, and I moved to Adelaide and I fairly soon got asked to write a column in the paper each week. And so a whole lot of things started to sort of look on the outside like, whoa, oh, she's yeah. really So yeah. exciting. Great job, you That's know. Right. Yeah. After, after some very worrying years, yeah. you know. And you could imagine breakfast coming radio out the other side. comes with decent money, you know, PR, a profile. you're up on that pedestal. Yeah. Yeah, you have access to lots of different people. You have a profile. Yeah. It's that's looking right. good. Yep, that's exactly right. So I then made a very big mistake, which I'll never do again, but I wanted my friends, especially my close female friends and my family, my mum my and my dad who was still alive at the time, I really wanted them all to think that they didn't have to worry about me anymore because mm. I hated the fact that I knew that they did worry about me in the preceding years and they had sort of every right to, but I hate people worrying about me. I'm such a, I want to help you, you know, mm, I don't, I'm not good at asking for help. So the last thing you want as a person that might be a bit of a people pleaser but, but, but he's also got the kind of healer archetype. The last thing I want to do, and an independent woman, the last thing I wanted to do is take their brain capacity or concerns, have that. Yeah, you've got enough of- on your plate. I'm fine. Yeah, I can handle that's this. Right. Yeah. That's right. So very much I definitely didn't tell them how bad things were getting in my life behind closed doors while I was doing radio in terms of the the mental kind of slide and also the escalation of violence that was happening in in my life so there was a lot of secrets that I built up there but also when you were talking about just sort of that going back and talking to your younger self one of the things that I did was a lot of you know I learned about the inner child mm-hmm. therapy yep. Yeah, and which was which was absolutely amazing. But I think what we need to remind ourselves at any point in our lives, we are still that we are still a child. So mm. I now, where I am at sort of fifty-two, and after having written that book, and as I said to you, when I go back and I read or think about some of those chapters, especially the violence, I now look at you know how old would I have been, mid to late thirties? I have to go back and look at that girl, that thirty old girl and I have so much love and you know I want to wrap my arms around her Mm -hmm. just as much as I do when I do when I did my you know inner child therapy of my seven-year-old self yes so I think we need to remember 
when you whatever age you were vulnerable you know that's you are still a child who didn't know any better and yep. you were still going through a very yep. hard time mm. and you were on your own and i mean you know at every stage of our lives we really are just doing the best we can at that time that's- And the thing is, too, when you were there at that moment, your life was so busy. You know, when you've got a bit of downtime and hindsight, it's easy to go, oh, geez, I should have gone out of that. But, you know, you're fast paced. You're getting up early. Your weekends are busy. You're ambitious. Like Mm. sometimes it's just you go with that flow because the other takes time which you don't have at it's that a form point. of self-neglect isn't it really like yeah. when you're that you don't mean to but well, i think it, you know you're on that in... career trajectory yeah. as well so you yeah. you want to kind of put your focus on that and that'll sort itself out yeah. mm. so many yeah. things in this book that i really related to and this line definitely hit home with me. I'd started the week acting way more empowered than I had the previous week. Secretly, though, I felt like a phony. There was nothing empowered about me. I was just becoming skilled at impersonating someone who was. (laughs) (laughs) My God, I read that. I went, hello. (laughs) I love it. I forget that. And and I'm like, oh, yes, I know what that means. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course you did because you wrote it. But yeah, I'm oh, glad but you. I just that line yeah. was so powerful, and I think so many of us can really resonate with that because whether it's one thing or another, or one event or whatever, at yeah. times we do we put that on. You know, Mel and I talk about yeah. imposter syndrome and comparisonitis yeah. and all of that. But I just thought sometimes we just have to do that to get through, to get by. Yeah. You know, we, it's good to be vulnerable. It's good to be honest, but sometimes yeah. we've just got to do that to. To get by. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, you know, I literally got good at putting on a show because I was doing a show. Yeah. That's what you're paid to do. Yes. That's right. So, but on top of that, I was simply like many other, you know, people is that we get good at putting on a show Mm. in in our lives. So, yeah, once you, once you get a, a whiff of how to be perceived or even genuinely feel at times a particular way, and for me, you know, I, I was, you know, feeling, you know, starting to, to learn a lot about what it was to feel more empowered and how to become more empowered, but, you know, and I think this is why some people, they get a taste of what therapy is about and then they jump out. But mm. at that point in my life, I literally was, I was like, I know how to play this empowered part, but... I'm nowhere there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, and I think we've probably already answered this next question, but it was like, you know, why do you feel or why do we feel when we're in the trenches of an internal crisis and dealing with those hard times, hard times, sorry, do we project to the masses, you know, our family and friends, the opposite? And I think you answered that before when you said, because we don't want to cause anyone else any pain. We'd rather yeah. deal with it ourselves. I you think know, we also more often need- than not, we just don that mask that everything's okay. Why? Why do we yeah. sit so uncomfortably with well, sharing our pain? Do you know there is another element to that? Well, I, I think a lot of people aren't comfortable to sit in people's pain, so we often don't show that pain because we're worried we're going to have an uncomfortable moment with whoever you know is seeing yeah, okay. that. But, but certainly in my, you know, example of the violent relationship or even the psychologically abusive one, which was the one before, often people stay in abusive relationships or strange scenarios, and I'm not 
weaving the two of those. I'm, you know, what I'm just saying that not yeah. everything has to be an abusive relationship, yeah, but yeah. people can stay, stay in things for a lot longer than, you know, or anyone just, else. You know, even, even just sitting with yourself, knowing that mentally or whatever, you're not yeah. right, but not acting on it. Well, and, and, and half the time is that you're simply in it all and you're trying to make sense of it and you actually do not have the answers to what the hell's yeah. going on and yeah. you suspect that things are not right, you suspect you're being gaslit, you're suspecting mm. or, you know, like it's even the aftermath of, you know, someone punching you or something and you're like, you know, you know you don't love that person, you know that they make you sick but you haven't officially kicked them out yet because you actually know that, you know, for a week or so until, a you know, a big argument you are safe because they're trying to do everything to say yes. sorry and they genuinely do feel bad. Mm. Um, you're just sitting going, I don't know what to do. I do not know what's actually, I don't have all of the pieces and I'm just in this. Yeah, and that is a very frightening place to be. It's horrible. It's, when you're it's, aware it's, of it but you cannot find the way out. You literally yeah. don't know what to do. Yeah, and, and I think for me, and I'm certainly not applying this as a one-size-fits-all, but I now know, you know, that I was I was the most dangerous and toxic person in my life all through it because I didn't look after myself I didn't I didn't turn people away I made excuses for some very toxic you know dangerous people and really unfortunately I was the most dangerous person because I was the one carrying my heart and my life and you know and but I just had a lot of toxic belief systems yeah. Did and you? I was I, very hard on myself yeah yeah I'm yeah that's it's interesting really, I I often wonder you know when we're in that sort of kind of toxic spiral and we're really not being kind to ourselves, or we're really not mm. honoring our own self-worth with some of the decisions that we make and even in hindsight, you look at those decisions and go, what the fuck was I thinking? Mm. But it's almost like, you know, you have this internal feeling that good things happen to good people. Good things mm. aren't happening to me. Am I bad? What's wrong with me? I don't yeah. know. That's just oh, yeah. a very toxic kind of spiralling thought that a friend of mine may have once had. <laughs> What was that? Speaking for a friend, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's you know interesting. What? It starts, It starts. you know, it, it, I think usually most of this sort of stuff starts in childhood. Yeah. Mm. You know, I love my parents, but, you know, they were divorced from the time I was, you know, a baby. But I, I can see now that I came from two people who had zero nurturing self-love of themselves it was never discussed with us of how to look after or be kind to yourself it was almost like you know they both had two different versions of we're in survival mode yeah so you know so there was there was no seeds planted in my life and and once again from a curiosity point of view it's you know they're nurturing, they're conditioning, their parents conditioning. It's just that age old tale of the the spiral. That's right. Yeah. And then you attract. And then you. And then the thing is, when you don't have those boundaries or that self love, then very quickly from the time you're sort of a teenager and you're getting out in the world and creating experiences and bouncing off other humans and whatever, very quickly you start building up a very big dossier of examples of yeah why 
things don't really work out for you. You know, love's no, not really for you. Oh, I can see other people getting these good things, but you just very quickly build up a case to say, yeah, when it, for me, when it comes to love, you know, I'll always be left out in the cold. And I had enough evidence to go, I am killing it with being right about this shit. So then it's your belief system and then you can go down that whole rabbit hole of, you know, what you focus on, you attract. and It's the stories we tell ourselves that I'm not good enough, I'm not enough story. But there's reason behind it. But the Mm. bottom line is sometimes shitty things just happen to good people too. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they do. They do. Well, I don't don't think any – look, I'm a big believer in absolutely – and it's an annoying saying and I'd like to find a new way of saying it, but everything (laughs) happens for a reason because I can see how that – trigger a lot of people yeah. it's just no, sometimes you don't see it until hindsight I like to say <laughs> and it's really these these sayings get a bad rap because it's the way other people just slap you with them at certain times when they really actually can't be bothered digging into well what's going on because t- to me you know and I and I share in the book that line which was literally a voice that came to me and said if it's happening to you it's about you which was basically okay well anything that's happening to me you know it, it, it is about me so I need to look at me as mm. to where the where the detective work needs to start you know and that's yeah. difficult that's like when they put that line what you don't yeah. like in others is a reflection of yourself that's right so I had to do that with these two you know both of course narcissist one of them I think was probably and of course this is just my theory one of them was probably a sociopath as well but I had to if I was going to get genuine about healing myself and and with that whole kind of you know if it's happening to you it's about you and then learning the old you know what you sometimes what you don't like in Mm. someone else's what you don't like about yourself or the mirror effect you know no matter who how toxic your partner is, there will be a mirror effect somewhere. You just got to find it, you know, and, of course, you don't want to find it. Oh, so that's why would you so go? confronting. Yeah. Just just what are you talking about? Yes. But I could see with both of those na- relationships with narcissists, I could see that there was black heart, broken kind of people, this very shortcutting sort of wanting to sort of quick, let's fall in love, I want to be healed, cured, all of that. There was a lot of correlations between myself and these two people that I would love to have nothing in common with at all. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. you have to own your shit or you won't get to how own it all began. Shit. Own your that. shit. I love that you too. To own your shit. You own have your to sh- take responsibility. It's not about shaming you. It's mm. just about not bullshitting to yourself. Yes, so true. And if you want to hear more of our chat with Amber, we'll be back after. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This. Okay. Amber, another line from your book that I loved and, oh, my gosh, so resonated with, and I think a lot of our listeners will too, was was when you woke up after corresponding with a love interest under the influence. The line was, a lightning rod of regret straight through my Torturously dehydrated head. head. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. Oh, the, the first visual oh. I got was the scene from The Hangover when they all start oh. waking up and just that that brain trying to yeah. the eyeballs moving. Trying going, to work what it out. Happened. Yeah. Then they see the tiger and the baby. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Yes, yeah. I still, I think there's still, my cheeks just got at least 15% hotter as I recall that moment. Well, let me tell Which, you, everyone listening will be thinking of their moment like that and their yes. cheeks will be getting hotter too. Yeah, 100%. Well, but it's that it's that bloody moment, you, you know, when you start getting really excited about a potential new love interest. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you are someone that is on a bit of an unhealthy cycle of, drinking on your own as I was back then and you get excited and so the person sends you an email and you know it's all lovely and you're like oh this is gorgeous I want to share something back and then you really really overdo it <laughs> and you know sorry and I then, mean to laugh but, but no, we're, we're, we're laughing we're at our own because we know yeah. like what you, <laughs> we, all we know. have all, We've done, all done, it. done it you are literally floating and thinking that you're having such a lovely exchange with this person and you've actually got no idea how shit-faced you are yes. in the moment yep. until, until you wake up and you go, oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. You that line, don't know honestly. what's happened. Something horrific's gone down and the pain in your head is only qualifying that something went down last night, I have an awful feeling it wasn't great, and then you go, Shit! I sent that goddamn email to. That's the, the lightning life. rod of regret. Oh, like <laughs> it's much well, different it's, from Cupid's arrow. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's like the opposite, yeah. isn't it? It's, <laughs> the lightning rod and Cupid's arrow. It's arrows. the worst lightning rod, isn't it? And oh, how God. do you begin to? I mean, obviously, you've done a lot of healing, and and as we know that. All of us have a lot to do and continue to do. Do you feel yeah. it's possible for us to become a lot kinder to ourselves about the things like that that we've done in the past? Is it? Are you able to make peace of the past, the people in your past? I'm yeah. not sure how to put it and, and don't want to spoil your book, but there were some really unkind people in your book, mm, like, you know, yeah. from a, a trust point of mm. view and like, Honesty, yeah. loving yeah. kindness, etc. Like how how do you move on from that, and how do you kind of, mm. you know, I guess embrace new people into your life? Yeah, that's a that's a good and big question. So the first part is every day I am so aware of how kind and how much I care and love myself, and I never ever thought that I would get to the other side of where I was to the level that I am now. It's so wonderful and beautiful. And I just want to say that because when you either 
haven't started doing any work on yourself but you're aware that your life is not like you you're on a treadmill of whatever issues they are and you're just not happy you know or when you just start doing work on yourself and more shit comes and more shit comes or you're frightened of going and seeing that particular healer to talk about that one really traumatic event it can really feel like oh what's the point like this I'm always going to be in some state of like pain and baggage and whatever but I just want to say like if you really do commit to the work and just keep going and try and enjoy the process and be a bit fascinated about it because it can also sort of really load you up with so much wisdom and knowledge about humans and the way we tick that you can actually help you know and and identify you know issues and triggers with your kids or your parents or your this you know it's not just about you so I just want to say that I love the way I love myself now is what I'll say. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to fire a couple of fast questions at you. Writing or podcasting, which do you enjoy the most? Writing. Why? I think I've just always loved storytelling and and writing and, you know, yeah, there's something about words. And also I think it's a bigger challenge for me and I like to probably challenge. Like I can crap on for, you know, eternity, but writing challenges me. <laughs> Great answer. Thank well, you. I certainly enjoyed and, your writing. Let me tell you some of those. Yeah, lines, yeah, yeah. Look, very, I've I've been reading excerpts yeah. and I wanted to yeah, chat about one of them in a moment. But my next question, what energizes you these days? Actually, and, and, and being happy. That gives me energy. And that might sound like a silly sort of answer, but there's a there's a lot of ingredients that go into being happy and me understanding enough of them and making sure enough of them are in the pot at the one time. Yes, true. Um, mm-hmm. That you know, that when I'm happy, I have energy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no low yeah, vibration. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no. it's we don't do low vibration. Yeah. Ticking no. those boxes. Well, yeah, we have in the past. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. I, I too have had moments of low vibration. Oh, I have too. I have too. Now, I just want to go back to the excerpt I was reading from your book about, yeah. and we're just going to discuss Princess Mary like quickly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so when you were talking about the self-talk that was going on in your head at the oh, time, yes. you know, when you had the world media, you know, like obviously photographing you, Amber, and I can you know, imagine and- it would have been very like surreal in oh. the lead up, like, you know, Mary's met this guy, you know, your best friend's yeah, met that's this bizarre. guy. And oh, then my it... God, he's a prince. Oh, my God, they're engaged. Oh, my God, I'm a bridesmaid at the wedding. Then oh, and you're, you're, grieving, wedding. you're grieving the loss of her moving away and, <laughs> and into this life as you, you know, as you've mentioned. But also that self-talk about, oh, what are they all thinking and I'm, I'm an idiot and what am I doing here and blah, 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 that is me. That is 100% what I would have been saying to myself at that time, at that age as well. You know, like it's just you're not alone. Like just that whole, oh, I'm not good enough to be here. You know, everyone's looking at me. They're all going to think, you know, I'm this or that. And isn't that? Was there a moment that you could share with us where you thought or an observation from the day of the wedding? Because I imagine if I had been there, I would have been thinking, oh, gosh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Here at the palace. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? <laughs> and the penny here at the palace, <laughs> having shoulders with the royals, or yes. you know, in court, as and we I, like to say, in a period piece that I'm obsessed with. A period, I love court. a period piece. But you, weren't you opposite the queen? 
as well. You were placed in rooms opposite or near her, weren't you? Yes, that was a that was a very very sweet gesture that Queen Margaret Marguerite Frederick's mother. Yep. So basically, we were staying out at Fredensborg Castle, which is about forty five minutes out of Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, we had been at Amalienborg Palace, which is you know Royal Square, touristy kind of thing. So we were sort of taken a couple of nights before the the wedding or maybe even the night before, anyway, to the Queen's Castle. And so there was there was like a, a property on the grounds where her sisters and family and a bunch of people were staying at. But then it was just Mary and I that the Queen took over into her part oh, of the, wow. part of the yeah. castle. And she actually put me in a room across the hallway to Mary. And you can imagine there's a lot of rooms in a castle. So, oh my gosh, I know, would have been so grateful because I would have been scared of all the. I've made up the bed down that, yeah, down that end of the hall, and I've made up the bed five hallways away. <laughs> I would have been running down the hallways, petrified that there was just, some sort of spirits chasing it's me. It's such a fascinating, fascinating insight. It's not something your regular fifty-ish yeah. knows anything about, Amber. No, no. Well, nor nor did I. But that mm. was that was yeah. That was definitely there was a a, a very kind gesture, yeah. Queen. I mean, also Mary's mother had passed mm. by then, so there was just something kind and very thoughtful about that. And I loved because you know, as as I sort of write in the book, you know, standing there, you know, with all of those negative thoughts and, you know, and that is a level of narcissism also, I should say, is that you're sitting there, you know, you're so bad on your loop of, you know, it's all, it's all about me in terms of in the insecurity and the, all of the, this sort of stuff. That is a form of narcissism. But to be able to, during a time when I felt like I was losing her to so many people and to a, you know, a, to a monarchy and to a country, mm. to be able to wake up and go, Oh shit! Oh, it, oh, okay, right. It's it's a big day today. Yes, it's a bloody <laughs> big day today. And you know, and then to be able to just go, I can't hear anything. I can't hear. Everything feels very calm. And to sort of open your door, look down the hall because I was always terrified. I was just oh, terrified. Mm, absolutely. I don't know why. Like I just didn't, you know. And I hated curtsying because I just felt really awkward. All the so protocol. I was Scurrying around like a rat a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stand in the corner, nobody look at me. I'm not here. Did you hide like behind rat- any royal drapes? <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm like I'm like a little like ratatouille, like a cartoon rat running around. Anyway, so then to be able to knock on her door and just hear her little voice go, come in, and then just seeing her sitting on this chair having tea and she was just all very calm and there wasn't anyone else around her and be able to plonk down. And mm-hmm. as I think I wrote in the book, I just said, you know, which is very reflective of our relationship, I just looked at her and said, so what are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's happening? What are you doing today? And, she's, and she sort of laughs, you know, like yeah. she's used to my humour and I just went, oh, my God, what have you got us into? <laughs> yeah. you know, How did we get here? Possible. Like as if it's you know all about me, but that was you know it was just that was just mm. sort of our our or still is our our sense of humor when it's just like Jesus Christ. Like, it's a lovely sick. thing, I think, your friendship with her. Thank you, and the That's fact why that it's you maintained that you like anytime someone says. Oh my god! I just love her. She just looks like she would be so nice, and and, and it's funny because, of course, you've got no idea what anyone is no, like. No, uh, no idea whatsoever. No, none. But, but I love that because I love her, and you should 
love her because I love her and I'm very good judge I'm a good judge of character and so yes. I like <laughs> love her because I do too yeah. Yes. Cool. <laughs> so was there a bit of disco dancing mm-hmm. at the uh, reception? Was it kind of your knees up type of Australian wedding reception? Or was it a little bit more combined? Yeah, no, yeah. No there, chicken no, dance? What's the other yeah, one? What's the other one ever done? The nut I don't remember specifically <laughs> the nut bush thing. <laughs> <laughs> All the bus stop, all the measuring. All the measuring. thriller. Just, just <laughs> there could have been thriller back then. I actually don't remember the dancing too much, to be honest, because they'd been sort of two weeks. I'd been there for two weeks. Yeah. And certainly there'd been like before that night, I mean the other thought that I had when I woke up first that morning, I was like, oh, my God, thank God this day is happening now. I cannot have this day looming over my head for yes. one more minute and yeah, I cannot do three hours sleep again. Yep. You know, the night before I literally got into bed at 3 a.m. after taking 400 bobby pins out of my head oh, from wow. the tonight the night before. I was, I, and I get very, very tired, you know, yeah. and I was literally just so done. But, no, we definitely, I think the biggest dancing night was there was the, the young, per, they called it the young person's music night. So it was sort of like, at this iconic music venue, but it was like this, you know, a really cool Danish band and then there was a DJ and it was oh, stuff like that. Oh, awesome. That. that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. It was oh. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Trisha, I can see us busting a move. Yeah. And the- <laughs> we don't yeah. need much With Amber, of course. We don't need much encouragement. Yeah. No, we don't. We actually don't need any encouragement. Do you know, can I just be really honest? Yeah. For because I haven't slept, I, I keep waking up at four thirty, which is very annoying. So I'm a little, Same. Yeah. I'm a little. Bit, That's yeah, hormones. No, yeah, hormones. That's just when I wake up, four thirty. Mine actually has been hormones, but mm. also this rainy weather in, in you know Melbourne. You're probably getting it too, but it just makes you want to sort of go into hermit mode, and, and yes. you know, it's, it's we're all a bit out of whack. But so for a second there at the start, I had to remind myself that you guys were my age. Because you look so young and gorgeous, oh. and I'm just like, hang on, it's the pink know, glasses reason? and the red this lipstick. Is this is their podcast. This is what it's about. Yes, they're your age. And that wasn't me about. That wasn't about me shaming myself. It was about me looking at you guys, going, hang on, are they like late thirties, uh, late thirties, oh. early? No, fifties, fifties. Fifty-three in December. Fifty-six. I am. I think the screen smooths smooths the skin out. Like there's some sort of a film on the on the screen. (laughs) Hey, this segues brilliantly, brilliantly. I must say to our final wrap up question. Okay, so it's another belter. All right, you ready? If I do say so. That's a narcissist (laughs) coming out of me, isn't it? Okay, if you could go back in time. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your much younger self? And I think in part you have answered this through our conversation today, but I guess the one big takeaway. Yeah, a big takeaway if you could tell us succinctly, you know, like if there's one key message. I don't know. I think the first thing that just came into my mind is just the words, it's not about you, this is just life. So what that means to me is in that in those early days of just starting to perceive more and more and more as you know with every year with every birthday that went that you know there was more kind of observation of how people were responding to me and then you know deciding that oh this person's not interested in you because you're not this or this person whatever yeah it would just be 
it would just be nice to be able to say a line that made sense that would literally be like, it's not about you, this is just life because yeah, we're true. all living yeah. yeah. mm. and curling and, you know, and, and, and the book The Four Agreements is a revelation yes, if you haven't. love a, that. You know, like don't take everything personally, don't make assumptions, have integrity with your word. And I can't remember the fourth one, which means that I probably need to read books. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Well, I've only read it in the last six months and I've forgotten as well. So. <laughs> At least no, you got three out. Don't make, no, totally. Well, the important ones are don't take things personally, personally and don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. Remain curious. That's, that's what we all bloody do. Yeah, and that's what I yeah. Little self, when I didn't need to be beating myself up. No, by you did not. I always love the work no. by Byron Katie. Was it when she asked the question, "Is that the absolute truth?" Mm. Yeah, it's really yeah, powerful. Have you read her work? You'd love it. Mm. Yeah, Byron yeah. Katie. I'll send you the link and I'll put it oh, on I'd our show that. notes as well. I think you would would love her. Amber, thank you so much for your time today. We've just loved sharing this uh, this space with you. It's just you're extraordinary. You are. Beautiful. That's it from us today. If you would like more information about our extraordinary guest, Amber Petty, check out the links in our show notes. So Amber's book, This Is Not A Love Song, is available at Amazon, Booktopia, or through her website, www.amberpetty.com.au. And don't forget you can follow us on Instagram at Don't Give a 50 and you can email us at hello at don'tgiveafifty.com.au. And you can leave a rating and review. And Five you can star, ch- please. You, you can also check out our website, which we've oh, yeah, just we've got, got up and running. Yeah, no, we're absolutely hopeless. We will get better, we promise, but it's just. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe we won't. We're trying. We're trying. We're doing our best, aren't we, Trish, with that? Absolutely. So if you've got a moment, send in a any topic, a suggested topic, something that you'd like us to chat about here on the podcast and share, share, share our podcast with your friends. Remember our gorgeous 50-ishers, life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and aging is an absolute privilege and just being awesome is our right. Damn straight. Yeah. Thank you, gorgeous Thank you so much, so much. Sending lots of love to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.